welcome to the latest podcast from the NCTM. We've nearly reached the summer holidays for 2018, uh, but before we get there, we've come to Yorkshire today to speak to three secondary maths teachers about their careers and the role that continuing professional development, CPD, has played in their career progression. I'm Beth Goodliffe, NCTM Communications Officer, and I'm here today with Ben, Catherine and Fiona. Uh, first of all, Ben, can you tell us about where you teach and what your role is there? Hi, I'm, I'm Ben Sheedy. I'm currently co-head of maths at Ridgewood School. I've been teaching there for seven years now. Thank you. And Catherine? Hi, I'm Catherine Darwin. I'm, I'm currently second in faculty at the Merfield Free Grammar. Um, I have worked in one other school um, as an NQT and then for a little bit of the year and I've just joined um, a second department at the Merfield Free Grammar. Okay, thank you. And Fiona? Hi, I'm Fiona Roberts. I am currently head of faculty uh, for mathematics at the Merfield Free Grammar, same as Catherine. And I've been teaching for nine years now and I've um, been at a few schools before but have worked up from NQT to then teach so um, moved to school so that I could teach A-level then I got a key stage three coordinators role key stage four coordinator role which also provided me with second in department before getting my head of faculty role at Murfield. Great thank you so we've got a number of years of experience between all of you and obviously in that time you will have experienced a lot of what might have been called CPD what would you say in your view is CPD? Ben Starzer. Um, in, uh, I, we were speaking a little bit before we got here about um, what we think CPD and the best things are. Speaking as maths teachers, um, I think we all kind of agreed that maths-specific CPD, so something that either helps maths teachers understand certain areas of subject knowledge or how to teach those um, subjects in a more engaging or understandable way. And in some cases, you know, SKE courses for enhancing that subject knowledge if a teacher's um, not quite there. Is CPD just a course then? Is it something else? Can it take different forms? I think CPD uh, can take different forms. I think the most effective for me, as well as the subject-specific uh, training, is also the training that happens in your school for their needs, what's what's their priorities at the minute. And as long as that it focuses and, and touches for every single department's individual needs, that's also really effective. I think for me, um, even even more so than anything else, it's about Twitter. Like I am a massive advocate of using it. I think I've created like a little online virtual staff room for myself where if I need something, I can ask a question and like teachers across the globe actually respond to it. So I'm talking to teachers that are in America about how things are different there um, and bringing that into to what we're doing. Um, I think it's it's very much just about sharing ideas and sharing resources and things for me as well as kind of that very specific level of knowledge. So sometimes in those kind of forms of CPD, maybe you've been on Twitter, you've been on a course, you've been to an SKE. How do you then share that with your colleagues? How do you really cascade that to have the greatest impact in your department? I think it's about having the time, which I think is something you'll hear constantly throughout most teachers saying about anything. It's, it's, it's having that time, but it's about using the time wisely. You know, it's a getting together in a group, being able to not just repeat information that's been given to you or information you've received off Twitter or information you've got from any different former places. It's either it's, you know, showing how you've used that or how best to use it in your school and um, allowing other people to either watch you um, use that or, or, you know, giving them the co-planning time to plan some resources or plan some lessons with someone who's delivered, who's received that training. 
Yeah, I think we we have specific department time at, at um, Murfield so that we can we can actually get together and do that. So we've done a lot of scheme of learning development. Um, and then that is now going into other things that we use within our lessons. And um, so we've done a lot of work on on homeworks and things like that to make them have the most impact. And then yesterday we had um, a meeting that was about marking. But halfway through that, we started talking about how we measure prior knowledge and whether that was in books or whether it was somewhere else. Um, and we started sharing all of our slides as part of that meeting, as if we were teaching a lesson. So it was very much like. I do this. So I've got like a new starter that I'm using where I, I try and do things from lots of times across the, the students time in school. So a last lesson, a last week, a last topic, a last year. Um, and now that has been taken by lots of members of the department just from seeing it yesterday and they have used it in their lessons today. And we've been talking about how impactful that's been and how we can make the best use of it. So I think that kind of building on each other's ideas and being able to talk about them continuously, I guess is, Part of that we talk about is CPD and quite often people say, oh, I went on this course and then forget about it. Yeah. But the fact that we're constantly talking about it means it's continuous. I think also when you've got someone in your department who has been on a course or, or have had that chat with, with someone in the department, if they get hooked and they get passionate about it and you can see their enthusiasm, it does really link other people in. And I know we've we've it puts the ownership on them as well to try and improve their teaching, which inevitably is going to help the students understanding and help them at the end of it get the best outcomes. So is CPD about your development as teachers? Is it about the students? How do we get from that maybe going on a course or seeing something on Twitter to really having a meaningful impact on the students? I don't think the two things are separate. I think if I see an idea and I want to see if it works... I've probably taught it some other way that I've decided hasn't worked for me to want to seek out something new. And I can quite quickly decide whether it's worked better or worse because I've already been a judge of the fact that last time wasn't very good or last time needed some form of improvement. I think if I then improve that personally for myself so I feel better about my lesson, that by extension means that the students are doing better. And I, I don't think I can separate the two of those things. Everything I do is to make me better for the students. It's not something that's separate from each other completely agree with that I think at the end of the day where we've become teachers to improve students and anything that we can get extra that helps us will inevitably even feel more confident with how the way we teach something or give us that spark it will help the students when it comes to kind of new staff then um, inexperienced staff or NQTs or new people to the department how do you convey that kind of real passion that you have for the subject for the time you're prepared to commit at lunchtime after school to talk about maths how do you get everybody really involved in that I think it starts with a mentor when you've got um, any kind of NQT or ITT student you've got to place them with the right mentor and I think that's a <clears throat> an important an important role to play because um, they have almost the best opportunity in school because they're you know, required to go and observe other people regardless of what situation they're in. And it's something that um, we're starting to develop quite, you know, to get into each other's lessons, look at what each other are doing. And it's similar to what um, Catherine said earlier, you know, looking at that, employing a good idea for yourself. And if it works for you, just inviting somebody in and going, look at what I'm doing. Is it something that could help you? Especially if you know as an ITT or an NQT, it's a specific area of weakness for them. 
I can see Catherine and Fiona nodding uh, enthusiastically <laughs> at the idea of a mentor. Tell us a little bit about how that worked for the two of you. Um, so I did my PGC um, at the school that Fiona was at, and Fiona was my mentor. Um, so I'm taking all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> a, a little bit biased from us in terms of like the mentor-mentee relationship, because I feel like having Fiona watch my first lesson and her now seeing where I'm at has it's it's all come from the conversations that we had and the people that she told me to see because they were particularly good at AFL or they were particularly good at um differentiation it would be those teachers that that you know are great in the in your school not just your department um and then being able to talk about the things that I'd seen in those lessons and how to use them and um, because Fiona was so enthusiastic meant that I mean, I'm I'm a massive teaching geek and I'm a massive maths geek, so it wasn't hard for me to be enthusiastic about it. But having someone that was equally as enthusiastic meant that I had someone to bounce those ideas off. I remember the first day I met Catherine. Um, I'd just got back from the Shanghai trip with the NCETM and Maths Hub project, and a little bit jet lagged to say the least. And this bubble of joy and energy came, and she was just keen to know about everything I'd seen in Shanghai. And, and how that, what we were then going to do about it. And it was like, just got off the plane. <laughs> I've got lots of ideas, but it was, and that relationship between me and Catherine, that bubbly, you know, this that we can talk about everything to do with maths teaching has then, and, and Catherine's absolutely right. It's grown. And when I watched Catherine's interview lesson, when she came for the interview at, at Murfield, I was just absolutely blown away with how far she'd come. So that, that CPD, everything that she'd taken away and learned, she'd clearly put into, into action. So there's a real element of the relationships with the people with whom you're sharing the CPD that's really important. And you talked a bit as well about seeing things and the impact that that has. Has, has effective CPD often been when you've watched another colleague, a lesson, a, a particular uh, situation that you've then been able to put into your own practice? I think we've probably all been in training, <clears throat> regardless of being specific to subjects or not, where you get somebody going, this is the correct way to do something and they show you a list of things to do. And while a lot of those do create brilliant ideas and are effective, in a semi-effective way of conveying something to a large group of people, a, a smaller group that can bounce ideas and showcase skills always creates a more... Um, it's a more open dialogue about what's being taught or methods that are being used and how you could use them or other people could use them in their own teaching. I think it's all very well and good telling someone that they should be doing something. I think live marking is probably the biggest thing for me. I found that really, really hard um, in my first few years. I found it very difficult to like mark while I'm trying to help a student um, or help one student and mark everything else. Um, but watching other people, and it's the tiniest thing in a lesson, but watching other people do that within their lessons has given me ideas of how I can fit that in. And I've been able to adapt the way I teach to incorporate that in. But someone saying include live marking just made me think, well, I don't know how to do that. Whereas when I was in a lesson and I saw it happen, it might have been the secondary thing, but it's then that thing that I've taken away and probably implemented faster than something else. So you're all teachers who've obviously um, had really fantastic career progression and uh, a lot of that will be because of your own initiative. But do you think there's ever been a point where CPD has really made a difference in terms of your career progression and the roles that you've got? Fiona? I think for me, I don't think I've ever gone out and said that's the CPD I want to go on. I think some of the opportunities have been 
have come up around me and I've said, oh, actually, that sounds interesting. Let's go for it. And because of that and because of that experience that I've had or that idea that has sparked me to do something in my lesson or have people come and watch me or anything that has helped the team, that sort of pushed me further and, and helped my experiences, especially when you go to an interview and they said, give me an example of, and I've had that opportunity there based on these on these courses and ideas. So when you have been watched, I assume you've all been observed by colleagues and uh, colleagues possibly within maths and outside maths. What have you got from that? That might be something that might seem intimidating to, to new teachers, the idea of somebody coming in and watching your lesson, particularly several people coming in and watching your lesson. What kind of positive experiences have you had of that? I think um, I I was part of um, the, my last school was the lead of a maths hub. Um, they were doing a lot of work on mastery. Um, so they had people coming in to look at teaching for understanding when they hadn't seen it before. Um, so they asked um, the teachers that were in the department who had been teaching for mastery for quite some time to be the lead of, of like open classroom sessions. Um, so I'd had ITTs and things come in before, um, but this was literally 30 people around the outside of my classroom with 30 children in the middle, <laughs> um, which was really daunting. But actually, I think afterwards I realised all of the things that I was doing without thinking about them. Um, so because I was so used to teaching for mastery or teaching for understanding, that meant that I was more focused on the things that other teachers hadn't necessarily seen before because it came up through my training and then my NQT very naturally that was the thing I had focused on and picked a school for specifically whereas other schools haven't been doing that so it made me think really really carefully about the way I was using manipulatives the way I was um, using specific words the way I was using ratio and the way I was conveying ideas differently to how other teachers already do it um, so for me, it was just kind of a, a, a magnifying glass on the things I was already doing and the things I was doing well, um, because they would then give us, we got postcards at the end of it that said, you know, I really like the way you used ratio for speed distance time. And I was like, oh, so other people aren't doing that. That's quite interesting. I wonder how other people are teaching it. And then by extension, I could then talk to them about how they did it before. Um, and just, it's kind of like, almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy and that like I could, it was like a big cycle that was going on all the time between those sessions i think in a smaller way though um not so much having a formal observation of your lesson i think when you've worked with a set of colleagues for a large number of time and you're quite open to going into each other's lessons not specifically a lot of the time even to watch the lessons but you'd be going into just as a general walk around as um or just nipping in you see a lot of things that you go oh i didn't realize that that was something that um you were using or something that you you know, or an idea or a way of teaching something. I think I was first introduced to bar method by somebody using it a good number of years ago, but I was, I was, I'd not used it. I'd not really taught with that. And it was something that afterwards you kind of sat down in a staff room. And I think a lot of CPD style activities, even though it's not classed as CPD, it's not formalized, it's nothing to do with that. It's just people that are open to turn around and go, I'm not sure about teaching this can anybody else give me a hand or I'm thinking about teaching it like this, but I'm worried about, you know, a certain ability range of kids either being too high to find that a challenge or too low to understand the way that I'm teaching it. So I think a lot of the formalized, a lot of formalized CPD has its place, but it's got to be a lot of the time to be able to bounce ideas off people that you work with. 
So CPD is about always learning. It's about being receptive. It's about taking things in. And that's obviously something that the three of you are really familiar with. How would you advise um, a colleague who was maybe trying to get somebody to engage in CPD and that person was perhaps a little bit reluctant? Maybe they were a very experienced teacher and they felt that they were confident with their pedagogy. Have you got any tips for people who are trying to engage colleagues who might be a little less willing to take on board new ideas and approaches? Fiona? I think it's about being persistent with it and being really, really positive we are getting more and more in our department now with even at lunch times we are talking about maths constantly and actually people might say this is our dinner time we need to stop but it's that buzz it's that culture in our maths department our meetings that's what we want to talk to people about and actually showing them why the students understand it better getting them to come in and see our lessons getting them to drop in on other people's maybe someone who has a better relationship with them in the department, it might be a great idea to buddy up and do some tasks and give them the time. So you know, we'll cover the lesson, you go see it. Because a lot of the time, as, as Ben said earlier, time is a thing that we don't always have a lot of. So that would be one way of getting them involved and, and using their expertise as well. Because actually they might have another topic that they might teach really well that actually does understanding without them realising it. So using that in, in a different way. It's also sometimes I um I do think I agree with what Fiona said. You know, it's it's getting them to look at something that they're particularly good at, but you can you can use that in a way and um get them to deliver a session on something that they're particularly good at. Because I don't think there's any teachers that I don't think there's any teachers that would completely not be open to learning. I think sometimes they believe that their method might be the best way or the only way that works with certain um types or um ability ranges of students i think it's sometimes about you know letting them have their say about what they're using you know deliver the positive parts of that you give them the onus to um to you know to use that and to um deliver that and they're probably more receptive to other people delivering things that they're particularly good at yeah, I think that one of the things that kind of sticks out, and I cannot for the life of me remember whose quote it is, someone else might know it, um, is somebody said, I think it's it's either Willingham or Willem, but I can't remember. It's um, about how teachers aren't, we're not the finished product. So although we're really good, we have to be receptive to being even better. It's not saying, we're not saying you're not good by saying you can improve. It is saying you can just get better. We can always be better teachers. Um, and I think the shift between us thinking, and it is in your mind, if someone says you need to be better, that you automatically think as a person, as a human being, that means I'm not very good. But it's just that we're never the finished product. One of the things that, that you all mentioned there was the idea of time and, and fitting things in. I don't think any of us will have ever met a teacher who says, oh, what I have in abundance is loads of time and, you know, <laughs> let me fill that with uh, all the things that I've got to do in the day. What advice would you give people who are trying to fit in CPD? I know, for example, Catherine, you use Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you find fits in with your incredibly busy teaching day? I think I, I make a lot of time for Twitter in a sense that like I, I use social media myself personally and then I have this teacher Twitter kind of persona that it's still me, but I don't talk about like the food that I've eaten in the day like I do on my Instagram. You know, it, it's more about it, it's more about the, the specific teaching. And I think, as I said, I'm a massive teaching geek and, that you know, that's almost my teacher Twitter has become my actual Twitter because I spend more time on it. 
Um, I think for me, it's about sharing those good things that I've done in my day. And it's it's more of a started as a record for me. I started my blogging in my NQT year and tweeting in my NQT year and my ITT year to keep track of the things I was doing. Um, so I made time for it because it was a reflection for myself personally. Now it's very much a network that I've got going um, that I like to share ideas with. And I know that if I put some time into it, that means other people will put time into it if I ask a question. Um, I, I, I use it all the time. I'm a little bit obsessed with it. Like I think sometimes my, my boyfriend would probably prefer it if I had a conversation with him as opposed to run my CBD chat. But I, I think he understands that the times that I'm doing that are for me and I'm doing it because it, I enjoy it and I love it. Um, it's not for everyone. Um, but for me, it's the most, it's the the kind of the best way to get it in little bite-sized chunks. I only have to spend five minutes on it to get five different ideas. The chats like my CPD chat do take up a little more of my time, but usually it's little five minute snippets of me having five minutes to scroll while I'm, I don't know, walking somewhere or going to the car um, so it does fit in my day that way. I think that schools sometimes fill our time with um, meetings that are whole school initiatives. And we've been really lucky this year that our school has given us the time to work in departments more. And that is the CPD that we want and we look at it and we can use it. And then it's not something extra that you have to fit in it's given to you and you then need to use the opportunity to help further members of the team, the department. Um, a couple of us went in one Saturday. The option was going in on a Saturday to look um, at the books and do a deep dive in marking. And that was utterly amazing to see, to sit with a senior leader, explain what maths marking is and what they should see in maths books, not just them tell us that our books weren't good enough or they were good. We had that dialogue and that opportunity of, of saying no this is why maths is different this is what we want as a department and we want to see to help the students progress and that was really 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 beneficial so it didn't feel extra it felt actually like it was it was made and it was planned for so math specific cpd is the way forward would you say yes yeah. for um i mean for the for the majority of um for the majority of things that we do um, that's the main focus. Obviously, there are there is, there's always elements that every teacher, um, regardless of what subject, um, could have a look at. I mean, behaviour, um, and a, a few. I'm sure there's a few other things that I'm missing out, but <laughs> that's the first one that came to mind. But there's, there's there's elements that are things that are great to be that are great to do interdepartmentally. You know, ideas that I've had about um, just structuring tasks have come from. People, colleagues I've got in the English department or in the science, science department but I think a lot of the most impactful training will be specific to maths. How often do you with your department with colleagues just sit down and do maths or is that a luxury that there's just not time for? Formalised I don't think there's time where we would formally do it but I think especially at um, Ridgewood with the teachers there they are very very well, they're, they're maths geeks. That's why we do it. You know, <laughs> as Catherine says, she's a teacher geek. I think I'm more on the spectrum of really, really enjoying maths. And I think oh, in I'm my, both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, 
Um, and there's people at um, my school that are considerably more geeky than I am and considerably better at maths than I am, I'd say. But I think whenever, for example, it's exam season, as soon as those papers come in, what's the first thing you all do? You all go, oh, I've got some year 11 game time. We're all going to sit down and race through... <laughs> the paper or all sit down that and race. That actually happened, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes and then it's who's dropped the least marks. But that opens up a conversation on, oh, how would you do this question? Oh, I did it like this. Oh, is that how you've taught your students this year? Oh, that's been less or more effective dependent on certain students' um, ideas or backgrounds or um, levels of maths. And I think that's the beauty of just sitting down and having time to do math. So whereas maybe there's not as much time that I plan for that as a head of department, I think it's something that I'm quite lucky in having a team that will do that automatically without it even being a thing that um, they're asked to do. Is that the same at A-level? Sometimes teaching A-level maths is something that teachers maybe are more anxious about. They, they maybe question their subject knowledge. How do you tackle really supporting colleagues who are new to A-level or finding challenges with it, Catherine? I think um, for, for me personally, teaching A-level was one of the things I was most scared of because in my head I felt like the students would be smarter than I was. That's it. It's not true because you are the specialist, but I think it's one of those things that before you teach it, you expect them to be the best of the best of the best students. Like, you know, they're doing maths. They've got to be super smart. Um, but they don't know the things that you're going to teach them. Um, I tried to make sure that I'd done all of the questions that I was going to give them before they'd done them. So I knew what kind of difficulties they were going to come across because I was trying to think like they would. Um, and then there are some questions that I've come across, especially when I was trying to prep in the summer, where I had no idea what I was doing. I'd take a picture of them and I'd send them to my maths friends from university. And then I would also stick them on Twitter and people would get back to me with handwritten work solutions, which I just thought was really lovely. Like, so like I said, it is, it's like a staff room. It's like yeah. if I put something up on the board in the staff room, people would try it. Um, and then I think working at Murfield, uh, our Key Stage 5 coordinator and I, bounce ideas off each other all the time so that literally this morning I, we didn't have a mark scheme for one of the questions for the homework and I was doing it and I was like oh I think the mark scheme that's there is actually it's actually wrong and um, they've, they've forgotten the minus four and she was like oh yeah I'll just check your answer and she checked that the thing I'd corrected was right and I think as long as you've got that trust in each other I think it's quite nice and actually getting some your teeth into some really meaty maths that's on a level is sometimes nicer than the GCSE content. Fiona, how have you supported colleagues in your department who've been new to A-Level or have got anxiety about teaching A-Level? Uh, personally, I've got anxiety about teaching <laughs> A-Level. Um, and I, I moved, earlier I mentioned earlier, moved to a different school to be able to teach that and actually quite quickly realised that I actually preferred teaching GCSE and things. So it's really nice for me and my department, especially with my Key Stage 5 coordinator, her knowledge is fantastic, so she will help other people but it also I think it sometimes falls to the head of department that you have to teach it and I'm I've got the staff that can teach it so I don't need to and that's really nice to give them the chance to develop there you know and anyone who wants to have a go we've got someone starting in September who's never taught a level before and she wants to have a go and I was absolutely fine please do because I know she'll be supported by my key stage five coordinator and Catherine is my second so the CPD that you've delivered, that you've experienced, it's about collaboration, it's about support, it's about being receptive, it's about working together, it's about really getting your teeth into some meaty maths, as Catherine quite <laughs> rightly described it there. 
If you were planning the perfect CPD for the year ahead, what kind of things would you include in that? Fiona? I think I would carry on with the CPD on marking, but not just involve the expectations for the team. I think I would ask SLT to come in so that they know what we expect, even more so than the deep dive that we did that Saturday. Sometimes I have felt in the past that people wanting us to mark have maybe wanted a one-size-fits-all for every single subject, which generally is maybe aimed at the subjects that write more essays, which is an awful thing to say, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> and sometimes we we as math teachers are sat there going, well, that's not going to work for us. And it's about finding that balance. We need to fit with the school systems. We need to fit with, with their needs so that the students have got some consistency but maybe us languages science that are more linear subjects could all get together and do something similar as well and I think that's for me the books are the key to showing the progress they're the, the key to showing what we're actually teaching them is it pitched right is it scaffolded right are our people premium disadvantaged students getting the the quality feedback that they need and that's for me what we need to work on and that's what my CPD will be tailed for this year. Catherine, what about you? What would you include? Um, I think for me it is, it's about the different pedagogies and how to actually teach something. I think quite a lot of the time I think I can teach something when I first look at it on a scheme of learning and then I go to plan it and I'm like, oh, I don't actually know how to convey this idea best. Um, and I think making sure that we've we've got those topics that are a little bit stranger to teach um, or that we we need to find some way that is consistent across the department so that if, for example, they change teachers next year, they've all had the same kind of level of experience. Something like negative numbers, for example, is taught so many different ways and it's such a foundation for everything else that it might just be worth us making sure that we're all on the same page for how we're teaching it. I'm personally hoping to get onto the um, Mastery Specialist Programme um, which I'm, I'm hoping will mean that we get lots of ideas for actual pedagogies that we can we can then kind of disseminate through the rest of the department and maybe do it on a topic-by-topic -topic basis, maybe based on what's coming up next. So basically, we've got a very busy year to come. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure in your school. No pressure in our school. <laughs> what about for you, Ben? What would you include in this perfect year of CPD? I think a perfect year of CPD, for me, um, would be really progressing as the scheme of work progresses, you know, spending time on... Not the day before something's due to be taught, but you know algebra's coming up for key stage three, say, and you'd go, okay, so what classes are we teaching? What is your, you know, what's list on the scheme of work? What's a realistic expectation for your classes to get through with there? And then spending a bit of time, um, or a bit of time, as much time as physically possible. <laughs> um, not so much planning lesson by lesson by going, look, how would you introduce solving an equation which is something that I think anyone who's listening to a math CPD podcast will have done a numerous amount of times <laughs> and will have done in a numerous amount of ways to varying degrees of <laughs> success but um you know sitting down again look how do we all do it let's agree what our approach is going to be even if it's the same approach that we've used last year like I said being consistent Catherine's really important across the department for when that eventual staff changeover does happen but then turning around and going, okay, so we've done the basics. How are you going to extend? Instead of going, I've done a basic one-step equation and now I'm going to do two and now I'm going to do, you know, the thing that some of us were taught on NQT or some of us had a different experience on 
going, you know, how can I extend that? What kind of questioning can I use? And is it just one question that I'm asking to one pupil and they get the right answer and you go, brilliant, or is it something I can work into my lesson for everyone to be able to get the teeth into? And I think following through what you are going to teach in advance rather than retrospectively looking at something, getting that set up would be something that would be ideal for me. Yeah, I think also thinking about kind of the scaffolding down as well as kind of the reaching up as well, because I think sometimes we focus very hard on making things more difficult, but sometimes those students kind of at at that that bottom end do need us to to help them get there. Um, And that, again, is something we're, we're working on quite a lot at Murfield. It sounds like you've all got plenty of ideas, plenty of things to keep you occupied in the year ahead. Thank you to Ben and Catherine and Fiona for their contributions to our discussion today. Uh, As you know, the NCTM and Maths Hubs offer a wide range of math-specific CPD that you can get involved in. At present, you can sign up for a work group, which is Collaborative CPD, starting in September 2018. And if you're listening to this podcast after that date, of course, you can visit our website for details of other CPD opportunities that you can access. Thank you again to our participants today, and we wish you every success for the rest of the year and for your illustrious careers in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.